Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, if you would. Ushers, uh, if somebody needs a Bible, hold up your hand and use one of ours. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. What did I say? Thank you. 1 Thessalonians is where I'd like you to go. I do also want you to go to 1 Corinthians 13. Actually, so uh, what are y'all laughing about? (laughs) When you're ministering like this, you have a number of things going on inside you at the same time. And I'm trying to talk to you about getting a Bible and where to go and what I'm going to say after that. hmm? So uh, we're all believing God together, right? 1 Thessalonians 4. Now, we've been on this for some weeks, and I believe it is worthwhile to be on and to stay on. You have to be persistent with spiritual things, not because God's withholding it, but there's an enemy trying to hinder us, hold us back, stand in our way. He can't do it if you won't quit. I said he can't do it if, if, if you won't quit. You know, um, Paul said by the Spirit, he said, we would have come to you once and again, but Satan hindered us. Somebody say hinder. Hinder. Is that the same as stopped? Not the same at all. Now, the enemy can hinder us. Well, I'm not going to confess that. I'm not saying you should. But it's just a fact. He can hinder. He can do things in this world. That's why you, you need to watch about being led by external things. In the new covenant, we're not supposed to put out fleeces. Well, Lord, if you want me to do this, then you do this. Let this happen. Lord, if you want me to do it, if this is really you, then let three red cars pass by my house one after another. Lord, if this is not you, close the door so I can't do it. That's wrong praying. I said that's wrong praying. You're not supposed to pray that way. You're not supposed to try to be led that way because that is being led by external things. That's the problem. Somebody said, well, Gideon put out a fleece. I know it. Gideon wasn't even born again. You couldn't tell Gideon, be led by the Spirit, brother. Wasn't available to him. He knew it was real, but he didn't really know who was dealing with him. But in the New Covenant, in Romans 8, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Hmm? They didn't know God as Father. They didn't know that son-father relationship. It was more servant Creator in the first covenant. But now we're not just servants. We're sons. We've been born again. Into the family. And he sent forth his spirit into our hearts. The spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry Abba. Father. And as sons of God. We can expect to be. Ought to be. Led by the spirit of God. Well where is he? He's inside us. 
Children of God should be internally led, not externally, internally. I'm still talking about the enemy hindering. If you're led externally, you're going to be easily hindered. It's frustrating to me to see people, even ministers, knocked out of things so easily. I, we've had numerous people call us and tell us, boy, the Lord dealt with us to come to y'all's marriage meeting. The Lord dealt with us to come to your uh, week of increase. The Lord dealt with us to be with you in this meeting on the road or whatever. And they're not there. And what happened? Well, so-and-so had a runny nose. and So-and-so needed a pair of shoes. And I had let my yard go and needed to get it caught up. And Well, you are weak and easily deterred. And some people say, well, it just didn't seem like it was coming together and, you know, it just, I guess it just wasn't the Lord. You ever heard that? I guess it just, well, just because you didn't do something he led you to do doesn't prove it was God's will. No, you have to have some persistence. You have to watch about this closed door, open door stuff. Well, Lord, if you want me to go through, open the door. If not, close the door. No. You need to be to where if God directs you to do something on the inside, if you come to the door and it is closed and locked and barred, that you stand there and knock and believe God till it opens up. And even though it is open, you're not to be led by opportunities. Right. That's right. Well, it's a great opportunity. That doesn't mean it's a leading for you. Amen. I don't care if both doors are wide open and there are people beckoning you to come in. That doesn't mean it's the Lord. Amen. That's right. And you're supposed to stop before you go in and go, Lord, I see that both doors are open and they're beckoning me to come in. But is this you? Amen. How am I going to know? Inside. Yes. Inside. Children of God should be internally led. Now, if this is new to you, don't throw it away. Don't get aggravated with me. Find out about what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. We got a lot of material on the subject. If you're interested in it, you can download it for free, no charge, on the Internet. We spent, what was the name of the series? Spirit-Led Life. One and two. Yes. To us, it's very important. Yeah. We take being led by the Spirit very seriously around here. I don't know how people make it without it. Right. Well, they don't. Not really. It is so, so important. In First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, we said the enemy can hinder. He can do some stuff in this uh, natural realm. But if you are persistent and stand and won't quit, if you'll believe God, can he stop you? No, he can't. I said, no, he can't. If you won't quit, he cannot stop you it is not within his power it is not within his ability if you're doing what the lord directed you to do and believe in god and for him to stop you he'd have to be bigger than god and he's not he ain't even close greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world that's why when we resist him he flees every time that's why god has made us more than conquerors and he always causes us to triumph. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
You know, I think a fella could preach in here this morning. Just in a little bit. <laughs> Did you find your scripture? First Thessalonians. Fourth chapter. I'm excited about this today. Because it is, I believe we'll have another revelation and another manifestation of the Spirit of God teaching us how to love. Somebody say, I'm getting this. I'm getting this. First Thessalonians 4 and 9. He said, as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write to you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Taught of God to love one another. The New Living says, God himself has taught you to love one another. He said, and indeed, verse 10, you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Uh, the message Bible says, you're already good at it. <laughs> the latter part of it says, keep it up, get better and better at it. And that's the sense that I had with you, with the Faith Life family. You're already doing it. We hear reports all the time. You ministering the love of God to people, helping people. But have we arrived at this? Oh, no, we've just begun. And uh, one mistake that Christians make all the time is they think because they have heard about love that they're good at it. Hmm? You know, just because you heard about driving a car doesn't mean you're good at driving a car. Just because I heard about flying an airplane don't mean I'm good at it. How are you going to get good at it? You got to do it and you got to work at it. Right? Month after month and year after year, you got to see where you're not doing so good. Make adjustments. You got to learn new things and put them into practice. Tweak it. Improve it. Change it. That's how you get better. If you're not changing, you're not getting better. Do you have any interest at getting better at walking in love. Hmm? You know. A lot of people are not as excited about it. For real. If you say. Well we're going to have a prosperity seminar. Oh yeah. Woo, glory to God. We're going to have a healing seminar. Woo, yeah. Glory to God. We're going to have. How you can walk in love better. Seminar. Uh. I may be busy. No, Brother Keith, I need you to tell me how to get my bills paid. We are. Faith works by love. It all works by love. Well, I'm wanting God to heal me. I'm wanting God to pay my bills. God is love. You're wanting something from love. Well, everything operates by sowing and reaping. Sow love and reap love. Do you know that prosperity and blessings, material blessings, are love from God I'm talking about? Is love manifested to you? Yes. Do you know that healing is love manifested to you? Yes. Forgiveness is love manifested to you? Yes. Then you want to reap some more love. Yes. Then you should be interested in sowing love. And who knows more about this than anybody? Love himself. And here it says, you are God taught. You're taught by love 
how to love. Well, that's being taught by the best. Everybody said out loud, I am taught by the best. I'm taught by love. How to love. Now, the problem is in our society, when you say love, people's minds goes in a thousand different directions. So many don't have a clue what love is. Love, first of all, isn't a feeling. Love isn't a feeling. God is love. Love is a command. It's an order. And so many people don't keep the command based on feelings. You don't have to feel like you love somebody to love them. Had three nods and a two, that's right. (laughs) See, this is new ground for so many people. You do not have to feel like you love somebody to love them. In fact, you're loving them the most when you feel like slapping them. But you don't. You feel like telling them off. But you tell them something good instead. Go to John, please. 15. John 15. We have been talking for some weeks now about how to keep the love command. And we're believing that we are God taught in this. And that we're not just going through a series, but God's teaching us as a faith and as a church family. And we're growing up in this. And we're going to walk in love with each other and with all our family and believers and with everybody more than we ever have. And do a better job at it than we ever have. That wasn't half the crowd agreeing with me. (laughs) I have a mission, a commission concerning this. And if I don't feel like we're getting it, you know what I'll do, don't you? (laughs) Huh? How long do you want to hear about this? Is it important? It is so important. It is so vital that we take this seriously like God does. Of all the things he commanded us as the New Testament command, all the other things he could have said in all time and eternity, this is the one he picked. We should respect that. If this is number one to him, it should be number one to us. And we must not be prideful and think we already know what he's talking about and we're already doing it 100%. We must get up every day going, Lord, thank you for teaching me how to love. Thank you for showing me how to keep this commandment. And I purpose to do it. By your grace, I'll do it. And be thinking about it in the day and the night and all week and all weekend. Say it out loud. Everybody say it. I am taught of God how to keep the commandment. How to love Others. John 15, are you there? John 15, and down about verse 9, he said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. 
Stay in my love. Live in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, where people have gotten off, huge numbers of folks, Christians I'm talking about, concerning this love walk, is that people have seen in the Word that this kind of, God kind of love is a self-sacrificial love. And people have purposed to do it out of a sense of duty and do some actions that are self-sacrificial, but they are unhappy and they're sad. You ever seen anybody that's supposed to be walking in love that was sad? Well, I'm just going to walk in love with them. But it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Hard this commandment's hard. Mm. Man, just got to lay your life down. It's hard. That's why most people don't even try to do it. And the few that do think they're some kind of martyr. And should receive special reward when they get to heaven. This is wrong thinking. I said this is wrong thinking. How will it affect you spiritually, solically, emotionally if you just go all out and keep the love command? According to this. He said this is my commandment. Are you there? Did you read that? This is my commandment that you love one another how as I have loved you. That's what makes it the new commandment. Love each other like he has loved and still loves us. But the verse previous to it, read it again. The very preceding verse, right up above it. What does it say? These things I've spoken to you. So you'd be a good Christian. It's going to be hard. You won't be happy. But you'll get a reward in heaven. What? No. No. Why is he telling us to walk in love? We haven't made this connection. By and large, as the church, we've not made the connection between just walking in love night and day and being overflowing in joy. Have we? Some way or another, we didn't make that connection. We didn't listen. We didn't pay attention. If there's something the devil does not want you to do, it is keep this commandment. He does not want you keeping this commandment because if you do, if you keep it, your faith is going to work. You're not going to have condemnation. You're going to be bold. You're going to be strong. You're going to walk in your authority. He says, where'd you get all that? The Bible. First John 5, do you remember it? This is the confidence that we have in him. He said in the third chapter there, First John. That if we keep our, his commandments, 
our heart does not condemn us. And we have confidence toward him. And whatever we ask, we receive it. Does the devil want that in your life? No, he does not want you getting whatever you ask for. Because everybody that sees you want to be like you. That means be a believer, be a Christian. And so how can he undermine this thing and disrupt it before it ever gets going? Get you to ignore the commandment. Get you to believe that if you really walked in love with everybody around you, that you're never going to get what you want and you're going to be unhappy all the time. Now, am I just talking, or do a lot of people have this mentality? If they really walked in love, that they would be unhappy. But Jesus is right. He knows. And he said, I am telling you these things. Why? Because I desire that my joy, my joy, my joy. He was anointed with the oil of joy above all his brethren. Jesus was not a sad Jesus as he walked the earth. Little kids loved him. Little kids don't like grumpy, sad people. Little kids loved Jesus. Why? He was fun. Now that's a brand new idea to millions of Christians. To think about a fun Jesus? No, Brother Keith, he's a man of sorrows. You can't just read half a verse and forget the rest of the Bible. Yes, there were times when he was grieved, when he was touched, when he wept, when he prayed in the garden, when he prayed over Lazarus. There were times, but these are moments, moments in a lifetime. Somebody say moments. Moments in a lifetime. It's not how he lived most of the time. He lived in joy because he lived in love. Say it out loud. Live in love equals live in joy. I'm excited about this today. We're not quite there, but we're getting there. Say it again. Live in love equals live in joy. Full love walk equals overflowing joy. It's Bible. It's what Jesus, he said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Glory to God. Anybody remember Nehemiah, the eighth chapter? Don't turn there, but Nehemiah 8.10. He said, they had read the word of God to them, the law and the uh, ordinances and statutes God had given, and they had seen how far short they had come, and they were all mourning and sad. And the man of God said to them, don't be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy, say that out loud. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now say my strength. The joy of the Lord 
is my strength. Who's stronger than God? God is love. Who's stronger than love? What is stronger than love? So what is accompanied with strength? Joy. Walk in more love means you walk in more God. Means you walk in more strength. Means you walk in more joy. More love, more joy. More love, more joy. Less love, less joy. There's revelation here. There's revelation here. There are a lot of sad Christians around. There are a lot of depressed, unhappy Christians. And it is a contradiction to say, I am a depressed Christ I am. Christian. Because Christ means anointed one. Anointed one. Not anointed with depression. (laughs) Did you know there's a lot of folks who don't want to be Christians? Because they have relatives who are. They have family who are. Why? And they think, well, if being a Christian is like being like Uncle Joe, then forget it. Why? Uncle Joe is grumpy. And the only thing he knows about being a Christian is don't. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't. Don't. And the grandkids don't enjoy it. Don't. No, don't. You're going to hell. Don't. Ooh, you're going to hell. Don't. You do that, you're going to hell. You better not do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Can't do this. Can't do that. Can't do that either. No, better not do. No, never do that. Never. Don't. 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 <laughs> Why are you laughing? There's a lot of people, they don't want to be Christians because if being a Christian is being like Aunt Mildred, forget it. Why? They're unhappy. It's obvious. They are unhappy, bitter people. Oh, they wear a nice hat. They play the tambourine. But you get them to talking. And they get to talking about how old sister so-and-so did me. Ooh, that sorry heifer. Bitter, bit unhappy. (laughs) Am I making this up? It's the truth. So many Christians are unhappy. Now, in light of what we have just read, and we know Jesus is right, what do we know is a core cause of their unhappiness? Not walking in love. The more selfish you are, and the more self-centered you are, the more depressed you will be. The more unfulfilled, the more unhappy you will be. And there are all kind of forms of selfishness. But it all boils down to thinking about moi. Some shape, 
form of fashion. Thinking about, you know, if everybody's forehead was a TV screen. And you could see what they were thinking. It'd be very distracting. Because a lot of times they're talking to you, but there's something else playing on the screen. Right? And in a crowd like this, we like to imagine everybody's paying attention to the message, but uh, there's everything from what they watched in the movie last night to uh, commercials for Colonel Sanders running (laughs) right in here. But so much of it is me. It's about me, 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 me movies, me trailers, me reruns. Even the commercials are about me. It's me, me, me. What do you mean? Well, how I feel right now. What I need. What I really need. What I've got to have. And maybe there is a legitimate need, but it's still selfish. Well, I don't think about me. I think about my kids. Same thing. Whose kids? My kid. Well, I don't think about me, Brother Keith. I think about my church. Whose church? Mine. <laughs> I just think about my ministry. I'm, you know, it's not about me. Well, yes, it is. It's still selfish. Your kids, your grandkids, yours, not somebody else's. Yours. Your. Well, I'm not selfish. I, I just think about my kids. That is being selfish. Because it's your kids. And some folk don't like that, but hey. <laughs> all you got to do is examine yourself. How happy have you been? How joyful are you really? What is the core, the root cause of this unhappiness? Selfishness. Thinking about what they didn't do for me. What they did against me. How they hurt me. What I need. What I'd like to have. What I want. What I don't have. I mean the list goes on and on and on. But it all comes back to. Thinking about me. I was in the floor praying. Some years ago. And I was a little bit. Concerned. About some things. And uh, the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean to heard an audible voice. But inside me very distinctly. He said to me son. If you'll just forget about you. Most of this will just go away. So I quit praying and I sat up. I thought, let me think about that now. If I would just forget about me, most of this would go away. He's talking about all these feelings I'm dealing with. And I began to examine it. Well, yeah, I'm thinking about how this affects me. Or how this is going to affect me. Selfishness is an ever-present scourge. Because it's the nature of your flesh. And it's with you all the time. All you got to do to be selfish is wake up in the morning. You don't have to try. It's always there. It's always on the surface to think about yourself. Oh, but when you're born again... The love of God. How many like singing that hymn? I like singing it. The love of God. Glory to God. 
how pure, how measureless. That love has been shed abroad in your heart. It's, it's not in your head, not in your flesh, not in your feelings. In your heart by the Holy Ghost. And that love is the same love God loves you with. It is unselfish. And that love is the kind that brings joy to the full and overflowing. You want to be happy? You want to be really happy? You want to have the very joy of Jesus in you? You want to have joy to the full and overflowing? Forget about yourself. Quit thinking about yourself. Quit talking about yourself. You and yours. And start living to give. Start living to love. And you tap into a joy that the world cannot find. You believe it or no? Where are you right now? John 15. Why don't you read it one more time before you go. Verse 11. These things I've spoken to you. I'm talking about going to another verse, not leaving here. (laughs) Of course, you can leave if you want to. I mean, if you've had enough, you think, well, that's all I want, Brother Keith. Fine, I won't be upset. Just These things have I spoken to you that my joy... We need to think about this all day long. Why did Jesus tell us love each other like I have loved you? And I'm not asking you to do it. I'm ordering you to do it. It's a commandment. Why would he be so strong about it? Why would he say it of all the things? Why? Why did he say it? These things I've spoken to you. Why did you say it, Lord? That my joy, the joy that Jesus walked in himself as he is on the earth, my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. We've got to renew our mind. We've got to retrain ourselves in our thinking. Every time we think about the love command, what should we think about? Joy. Joy. Do people do that automatically? No. We've got to get it changed. Get our mind renewed. When you hear, love each other as I have loved you, what do you think? Joy. 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 Hmm? Walk in love. Walk in love. You're going, okay, if I have to. I know it's a command. God help us. No. No. If you're really doing it, his joy is going to remain in you. And your joy is going to be. Full, which means you're going to be strong because the joy of the Lord is your strength, your strength. Let me read that to you from another translation in uh, Nehemiah 8.10, amplified, Nehemiah 8.10 says, be not grieved and depressed for the joy of the Lord is your strength and stronghold. Glory to God. The, uh, what is it, New Century Version? He said, Nehemiah said, go, enjoy good food and sweet drinks. Send some to people that have none. 
Today's a holy day to the Lord. Don't be sad. Somebody say, don't be sad. Don't be sad. Look at your neighbor, exhort them, say, don't be sad. Don't be sad. Look at somebody behind you, in front of you, say, don't be sad. Don't be sad. Did he say try not to be sad? No. He said don't be. Don't be sad. Now do you know why I'm still camping on this? We got millions of depressed Christians. They're taking drugs for their depression. They're going sitting down and rehashing their childhood with people. Trying to get out of their depression. It's crazy when we've been delivered. We're supposed to be the most joyful people on the planet. We're supposed to make the druggies and the drinkers and the partiers envious. They're supposed to look at you and go, man. What you are? What what you taking? What what are you doing? Huh? Man, you must have some good stuff. Where how do you get what you got? Only one place. Only one place. You receive love. You receive the love of God and then you Sow and give and minister the love of God. And this is the key to joy in life. There are people that are climbing mountains and making treks to desolate places trying to find the meaning of life. Aren't they? There are people that are, you know, what does it all mean? How can I get some happiness in life? I bought everything and that didn't do it. I, you know, I did all this and did all that. There's only one place, only one place. The love of God in you and flowing through you is the only thing that will give you the joy that everybody. That's, that's why people take drugs. That's why they drink. That's why they do all this stuff. They, everybody wants to be high. We're born this way. Everybody wants to be full of joy and ecstatic. Hmm? Don't settle for some poor, 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 poor substitute that won't do it anyway. It's not too good to be true. The love of God really is all that. It is. And when you experience it, You know, you can talk about the love of God and then you can experience the love of God. I've experienced it in different measures in my life. There have been times, I remember one of the first times I was in uh, school at Ramah. But I was at home by myself praying in the nighttime. And the God came in my house and manifested his love around me. And I lay there in the floor. Nobody there in that room but me. I lay there in the floor and I cried and I laughed. And then I was quiet, and I laughed some more, and I cried some more. Happy cry. And this was my conclusion. I said, God, this is where I want to live forever in this. And I realized this is the environment of heaven. That's what people live in. 
And that's why, you know, they don't need any sun there or moon. God is the light and the life. Well, what are they seeing by? God's love. They're seeing by love light. They're living in love. And once you've tasted it, nothing ever satisfies you. <laughs> once you've experienced some of it, and when you, if you've really been born again, you have tasted of it. Hmm? If you've really been born again, you've tasted. How many remember when you got born again, when you got saved? Did you taste of the love of God? That's it. Well, there's a lot more where that came from. <laughs> a lot more. And we can live in it and walk in it, but it goes right back to the law of sowing and reaping. You can't just be always and only interested in me experiencing this love, me receiving this love. You've got to sow it. Sow it. And the more you sow it, the more it's going to come back to you, the more joy you're going to have every day of life. Go please to, uh, let's see, John 14. You're still in John 15, aren't you? Go back just one chapter, but then also turn to 1 Corinthians 13. You might still be holding that. Or you can just listen. 1 Corinthians 13, we have a description of how love acts and reacts. And there's one particular thing I want you to notice. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunts not itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeks not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Somebody say rejoices, rejoices. In, the in the truth. Say it like this, love, love. Rejoices. rejoices. Say it again. Love, love. Rejoices. rejoices. Again. Love, love. Rejoices. rejoices. Love rejoices. Listen to another translation of this, the New Living Translation. It does not rejoice, this is 1 Corinthians 13, 6, New Living, does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Well, what happens when the truth wins out? You'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. When the truth wins out, somebody gets free. And when that happens, love rejoices. Love is glad. Now, the nature of the flesh is to seek your own and be happy when you win. There are so many folks, Christians included now, they don't really care about what's right. They just want to be right. They're not really looking for the truth. They just want to do what they want to do. And they want somebody to agree with them. They're not really wanting the truth to win out. They're wanting to win out. Anytime you get in a discussion with somebody, don't get obsessed with who's right. Focus on 
what is right. Both of you may be wrong. Both of you may be partially right. Let's look for what is right. Love rejoices when the truth is manifest and wins. When the truth wins, Jesus wins. He is the truth. When the truth wins, the Word wins. You'd rather you win or the Word win. It's not just about you being right. You winning. So many, so many that we've talked to that said they wanted help. They really didn't want to know the truth. They just want you to side in with them and tell them that what they're doing is okay. They want to be able to quote you and go back to somebody and say, well, I talked to them about it. And they said it was okay. I don't make it okay. If not any preachers said it was okay, still don't make it okay. Love rejoices. Say that out loud. Love Love rejoices. Now look at such an outstanding example of this uh, back in John 14 where you're holding your place. Well, where are you? That's right. Go back to Luke 15. Then we'll get to John. I think you'll get more out of it if we'll do it this way. Luke 15. Luke 15 and uh, 4, he talks about a man that had a hundred sheep and he lost one and he left the 99. He went and looked for him and he found him. And he put it on his, verse 5, he put this sheep on his shoulders and he came back what? Came back what? And when he came in the house, he called together his friends and his neighbors and what did he say? What did he say? Rejoice with me. Why? You found the sheep. You're happy. Why isn't that enough? Why do you want your friends to rejoice with you? How about you? Something good happens for you. You're real happy. Then what do you want to do? You want to tell somebody. And it blesses you when they shout about it. Read right on down. He says it again. Down in verse, uh, hold on, down about verse 8. The woman had ten pieces of silver. She lost one piece. She lit a candle. She swept the house, sought diligently until she found it. And when she found it, what'd she do? Called her friends, her neighbors together, and she said, what'd she say? Rejoice with me, because I found the peace which I had lost. Yeah, but it wasn't their peace. Wasn't their peace. They hadn't lost their peace. They didn't find their peace. But she wants them to what? Rejoice with me because I found my peace. Love rejoices when you find yours. Selfishness only rejoice when I get mine. But love will shout when you get yours. Genuinely rejoice. Friend, this may be bigger than you know. This is in, We're talking about God teaching us how to love. He's doing it. He's doing it right here, right now. We, you can tell he's already been talking to us about this, haven't he? 
You know, I've encouraged you. Have celebration parties. I mean, you know, we're getting our houses. We're getting our buildings. We're getting our lands. That means we're supposed to be having parties. All over. Parties. Should be having parties. Right? It is so ugly when your brother, your sister has been blessed and you snub it. Have you ever seen that? You come up and you go, glory to God, I I got my car. And they go, yeah, okay. You know, did I tell you about mine? Yeah, I noticed yours didn't have the heated and cooled seats. I was able to get that on mine. You want to come try it out? What is wrong with you? See, some people, unless the party is about me, they ain't interested in coming. Oh, that's ugly. Selfish. Self-centered. Maybe what they just received might not be as nice as what you just did. But if you started walking by faith, you know that the first thing you received was not as nice as that. It depends on where somebody is. The three-year-old comes with a drawing to you. And it just looks like spaghetti with crayons. You don't deal with it like an art critic. You don't hold it up and go, what's this supposed to be? It's a doggy. There ain't no way that's a doggy. That's pitiful. Go back, draw me a decent dog. Well, you're ignorant. You're ignorant. It depends on where they are. But when somebody, I don't care if it's a new pair of socks that they got on sale. If they did believe for it, and it came in, celebrate. You go, glory to God. Let me see them socks. Oh, yeah, they got stitching on the toe. Look at that. That's a good pair. I ain't talking about vain flattery. I'm just talking about making an effort to find the good in it and to rejoice. Love rejoices in your victory. Your blessing, genuinely. Because it is, remember reading in the previous part, it is not envious. Love isn't envious. It's not jealous. It doesn't seek its own. It's genuinely glad you got yours. Genuinely. It'll rejoice more over yours than it does its own. Oh, can you see this? Can you see this? Said out loud, love rejoices. Look at this. This is such a wonderful example here. Look at, uh, you're still in John, aren't you? Go back to John where you're holding your place. What was it, 14? We're making some progress today, friends. God himself is teaching us. How to keep the command. John 14. Jesus is the best thing his disciples have ever seen or heard. Best thing ever happened to them. 
just like us. Before he came, their life was dull and boring, unfulfilled. Get up, work, come home, clean up, eat, go to bed, get up, do it again. But when he came, they had some times, brother. Ah, they heard such words right out of heaven. They saw miracles. They saw healings and deliverances. They saw multitudes fed with a little boy's lunch. They saw the dead raised. And their life has never been the same. And they're, they're actually having some fun. And he says, boys, I'm leaving. This did not go over well. Do you remember them talking? I mean, all of them said, uh-uh. No. Where are you going? You ain't leaving us. We're going. Basically, that's what they said. No, we'll find you. Didn't they? They all said, no, you, we're going. Where are you going? How many remember that? them asking him, where are you going? And he said, well, where I'm going, you can't go right now. They didn't believe it. They said, no, tell us. Where are you going? And they were distraught about this. They were upset about this. Genuinely. And I want you to see this. John 14. Are you there? John 14. 28. You've heard how I said to you, I'm going away. And I'm coming again to you. If you loved me, you would what? Are they rejoicing? No. No. Uh -uh, They are not rejoicing. Are they unhappy? Yeah. Tempted to be depressed? Why? Because Jesus is leaving. What is the core cause of this depression? They're only thinking about how this affects them. And that is the natural response. But what did he tell them? He didn't say, boys, I feel for you. I mean, it's going to be rough. I know that. You're in a mess without me. Uh Uh-uh. What did he say? Well, he said, you know, I'm going to send you another comforter. You're not going to be alone. You're not, I'm not going to leave you orphans without. I'm not going to leave you bereft. I'm going to send another comforter. And I've been with you. But he's not only going to be with you. He's going to be in you. You won't have to wait till I get through talking to Peter before you can talk to me. He's in you 24-7 all the time. Glory to God. You should not look back longingly, wishing you could be like one of the twelve. You got it better than the twelve. Spirit of Jesus. Not only with us, in us. Can't get any closer than that. In us. Well, I just wish Jesus would sit down on the couch and talk to me. How about if he sits down inside you? On the couch. That's closer. He's already there. But now notice what he said to actually something that's enlightening to them and instructive. You could say a little bit corrective. What did he say? If you loved me, you'd be doing what? 
You reckon they got that all at once? They're upset. Jesus, you can't leave me. Jesus, mm -mm. where are you going? Where are you going? We're going to find you. (laughs) He said, you can't go. They were sad. They're upset. He looked at me and said, boys, if you loved me, you'd be rejoicing. Why? Keep reading. Keep reading. Because I said, I'm going to the Father. And my Father is greater than I. If you loved me, you'd be rejoicing. Oh, are y'all with me on this? This is so exciting. This is so exciting. What would that mean? Think about all them sitting there, upset, disturbed, tempted to be depressed. And they heard this and they went, if they had done this, they said, you're right. You are right. You are right. Lord, I do love you. And I am so glad for you. (laughs) What would that be being? Strong. Right? That is being strong. What, how would that affect your feelings? How would that come up through you? Lord, I hadn't thought about it. I'm sorry. You are right. I was just thinking about myself. And you've already told me you're going to take care of me. I am happy for you. I do love you. So I do care that you are about to be with the Father. Glory to God. You're going to be out of here. You ain't got to deal with this no more. I am happy. I am. Can you do that through your tears? Can you do it through your feelings? We ought to do it every time one of our loved ones goes home to be with the Lord. We ought to do it. Yeah, that doesn't mean that something's wrong with you because you cry or because you miss them for a time. But you must not just sit there and think about how this affects me. Or that's why you're not loving them. Can you see that? If you love them... You gotta rejoice. Somebody say love rejoices. Love love doesn't just quit crying. Love rejoices. Love rejoices. Come on, say it out loud. Love rejoices. Love rejoices. When you get your house, love rejoices. Love will come over and ooh and ah over every doorknob. Every cabinet door. Is that right? Love will go, ooh, look at that. That's solid wood. Mm-mm. <laughs> and if you can't be bothered to do that, then you're being ignorant and foolish and self-centered. Love makes the effort to take the time to notice it and to say it. You get your car, love will go, ooh, look at that. They put chrome on that too. Look at that, how smooth that is. Race that engine again. Man, that's smooth. Can we go for a ride? I'll buy the gas. Huh? Right? And every bump you hit, go, whew, do you feel how that thing smooth that out? Look at that. It's quiet in here. Love rejoices. Love rejoices over natural things. But how much more? Over things that last forever. Spiritual things. 
that really matter. We have reason to believe and know and understand that our people in heaven also rejoice over spiritual progress that we make on the earth. They're not so much interested in the car we got or the house or the clothes because all that stuff is just temporary and going away. But when somebody gets saved, when somebody gets back to God, somebody gets filled with the Spirit, somebody answers the call to do what the Lord told them to do, they know about it. They know about it and they rejoice. Somebody say, where'd you get that? Well, the angels are there in the same place. And they rejoice when one comes back, right? They rejoice. There's rejoicing in heaven when others spiritually benefit. When others make spiritual gain, there's rejoicing in heaven. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody say love rejoices. Glory to God. Love rejoices. Thanks be unto God. Go to 2 Corinthians 12. I think I can close with this. We've said this repeatedly. But let's look at it another time. When you hear the commandment of love, what should you think? Joy. Fullness of joy. 2 Corinthians 12, he made this statement, and you can see it's the love of God coming through him towards these people who are trying to act like they don't know him. God used Paul to start this work. He is their father in the faith. But now they have found new and improved apostles who claim themselves to be something above And stronger than Paul. And they're really not apostles at all. But these people have allowed themselves to be deceived. And are ignoring him. And chasing after these people that promote themselves. And this is a statement to him that has just stuck in my heart. 2 Corinthians 12. Are you there? And down in verse uh, 14. He said, the third time I'm coming, ready to come to you, I will not be burdensome to you. I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly, did you hear this phrase? I will what? Even though you treat me like this, I'm going to obey Jesus. And I'll lay my life down for you. Because I love you. It's hard. That's what's been taught. It's not the Bible. That's not acceptable. That's not real God kind of love. What did he say? I will what? I will what? Not just willingly. Not just gladly. Very gladly spend and be spent for you. I'll do it how? Very gladly. Real love is accompanied with real joy, accompanied with real strength. 
Love rejoices. Now, I got excited last night when I, I should say this morning, when I saw this. The plan of God. How smart he is. Did you know he's smart? This is the roughest thing we will ever go through. Right now. This life. Because after this, no sorrow. No crying. No pain. No dying. After this, that's it. This is the shortest thing we will ever do. I know it might seem long to you. It's the only thing you've ever done. But wait till the next thing. This is the shortest, roughest thing we'll do. Because we know the least right now. We've got these mortal bodies to deal with. We've got sin and the curse and the devil and the earth and crazy people. This is as rough as it gets for us. But listen, if you can just make it a few more days, you're out of here. There is some stuff in this life that is unpleasant. It is. But here, God knew it, and He made provision for us to have the strength to come through every bit of it. And get through this little short season and go on into the next. What he's really training us for. We're not to it yet. After this life, we really get into it. Glory to God. This is training. We're qualifying for it right now. What are you talking about, Brother Keith? If we obey the command... It is the key to our being triumphant and being victorious. It is the key to us overcoming the pain and the sorrow and the grief and all the stuff that you have to deal with in this life. Why? Because we are commanded to love one another as he has loved us. It's an order, not an option. Say it out loud. Order. Order. Not option. And if love rejoices when you have a victory, well, even in a church the size of ours, somebody's having a victory every day. Oh, are you seeing this or not? Somebody, somebody got healed. Somebody got their bills paid. Somebody, somebody. Even in a church, medium-sized church like this. If you rejoiced with everybody that had a victory every day, what does that mean? It means you're rejoicing every day. That's what it means. And it's that joy of the Lord that gives you your strength and enables you to deal with everything else that's going on. Now you can sit over in the corner and pull out your box of Kleenexes and not be interested in anybody else's blessing and sit there and think about what you don't have and what you need and cry and feel bad and you're going to have hard days and rough nights. And the more you do it, the worse it's going to get. Or 
The moment your eyes well up, the moment those thoughts and those feelings come on you, you got to stand up and look around and go, I'm not rejoicing over somebody's blessing. Who, uh, I need to find out. <laughs> Start making phone calls. Start checking up. What's God doing for you? Oh, oh, can I shout with you over it? It's as much for you as it is for them. Can you see this? Oh, do you see this? Do you see this? Somebody's having a victory every day. Even if you're not seeing yours, somebody is. And you get caught up in rejoicing over their victory and their victory and their car and their house and their healing and and their child's victory and deliverance and and that salvation. That got filled. You're not thinking about it's been 30 days and my victory hasn't manifest. You're not thinking about that. You're caught up with that. And while you're caught up with that, your day comes. It's time for them to rejoice with you. But you're just sitting around waiting for your victory. That's how you stay sad and down. Can you see this? Do you believe it? You think you can do it? Will it take a little bit of effort? Yeah, you got to reach out. You got to ask. You got to look. You need to be primed to shout all the time. Ready. Just sitting on ready. Did somebody say, God did, and you go, oh, glory to God. You say, wait a minute, I didn't even tell you. Oh, okay, sorry. And God gave me, whoo, glory to God. Well, Lord, let me tell you. Okay, tell me. (laughs) Primed, ready to give thanks, ready to rejoice with them, ready to celebrate, ready, ready, ready. That's love. Love does that every day and every night. And love is full of joy all the time. And love is strong every day. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, please. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. When the Lord told us to have testimonies, even before we knew it, He was helping us keep the love command. Is that right? We didn't even know it. But He was helping us. Why? Because we rejoice over our brother's new pocket knife. We rejoice. Is there anything to rejoice over today? All around you. Find somebody and shout today. Find somebody and rejoice and give thanks. Find something to ooh and ah over. It's no sign of superior intelligence or development that you can find faults with something. Anybody can find fault. Takes no special talent to do that. Right? But it takes effort to look past glaring deficiencies (laughs) and find something positive and remark about that. I know my grandpa used to tell me this as a little boy. He'd tell me about the meanest man in the county. Mean man. I mean, this man beat his wife. He hurt people. He robbed people. He stole. He lied. He was a drunk. He was this. He was everything. And he died. And people, you know, a few people came to his funeral. And he, people would come by and look at him in the casket. And go, well, that was a sorry rascal, you know. And, and keep going. And they're talking outside the funeral home. i tell you one thing. 
We know where he went. You know, boy, he was a mean outfit. And he said, there's this one guy in, in the community, though, never talked bad about people. Never did. Everybody knew it. He just, you never heard him talking bad. And when he came by the casket, they thought, well, what's he going to say? He stood there for a long time. <laughs> Finally, he looked over and said, you know, I think that fellow was the best whistler I've ever heard. If you look, you can find something, right? And there's merit to that, not finding fault. Praise the Lord. Close your eyes if you would. Lift up your heart. Lift up your hands before the Lord. Say out loud, Father God, thank you for your great love. Thank you that it is in me I can love others and I purpose to. I will rejoice. I will be glad at my brother, my brother's victories, my sister's blessings. I will rejoice because I do love them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.